Good evening, everybody. This is a, a special announcement of a special podcast. Your two hosts, Heath and State, decided we would go through the January transfer window for Premier League clubs and um, just give our little insights to who had a great transfer window, who didn't, who's still on the fence, and yeah, our own general views and if it could be beneficial for the UFPL and fans as well. So hopefully you'll enjoy it and yeah, we'll get cracking. We start off with, with the letter A. We start off with Arsenal, our friends down at the Emirates. In terms of a transfer window, well, they didn't bring anyone in and they got rid of a lot of people, which ended up resulting in them, them cancelling a game or so because um, they didn't have enough players after releasing Aubameyang on a free. Maitland-Niles, Kalasinic, Chambers all went somewhere and they didn't have enough players to play all of a sudden, which is an absolute farce. So we don't really need to speak much about that, but other than saying, which I think all Arsenal fans will probably agree upon, it wasn't a good transfer window for Arsenal. So I think we, we should both agree with Arsenal are a thumbs down there. I, I'm actually not going to disagree, but I'm not going to necessarily completely agree. Because well, it was good to get Bamiyang off, you think? I think that was a very good shout because obviously he wasn't playing, and if he was playing, he wasn't exactly scoring. So his influence probably couldn't have been that positive. But I do think that there's one theme that you see throughout a lot of these teams, which we kind of talked about off off air before we came on before we came on air, is that there's a handful of teams, quite a few teams that didn't do too much. Now people will go, well, you know, that's a bad transfer window if they haven't bought many players in. But for me, that just tells you how confident they are with the current squad. Now, Arsenal are a great example of that. I think the fact is, is that they've been able to kind of give Arteta the, the, the reins and say, go for it, you know, try, see how it works, give the youngsters a go, see where we are at the end of the season. And right now, they aren't far off fourth, really. They're a couple of points off with games in hand. So... All I'm saying to you, I mean, obviously they haven't got Europe to distract them, but if they were to go and finish fourth this season with the players they've got, that's a very successful season. And it might be down to the fact that in January transfer window, they told their players, don't worry, you're you're in our plans. You've done a good job up until this point. We don't want to be reinforcing. And then the moment Lacazette pulls up with a groin injury and Martinelli (laughs) breaks his leg or something, then, you know, when they're playing Eddie and Kessier up front every week and and, and getting nil-nils or losing one nil week in, week out, then maybe I'll, I'll rethink that. But I wouldn't say it was a good window. I just wouldn't think... I don't think it was... It, it was a bit of a meh window, really. And I think that the proof is in the pudding, given where they finished where they finished at the end of the season. We'll find out whether it was overconfidence or just confidence in the, in the squad. Fair enough. Now, see that? You know, Arsenal did get also... Bamian's wage is off the wage bill. So, you know, probably that was a good thing, I guess, on the money side of things for them. So, yeah, fair enough. Next club, Aston Villa. They had a, a big transfer window, um, didn't they, really, if you think about it? You know, some key players coming in. Philip Coutinho, Lucas Digne, uh, Callum Chambers as a um, backup in the defence. But, you know, the two big signings, Coutinho on loan and Digne from, um, from Everton for... Uh, 25 million it's rumoured to be who's dinghy i've never heard of this dinghy lucas dingney 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 you mean luca din luca ding i'm not i'm not french i'm not going to pronounce it that way <laughs> you were no going to say i'm not spanish <laughs> yeah, well, but either way 
I'm, I'm, I'm neither. I'm not English. foreign. Why would I speak oh, their language? Exactly. Luke, <laughs> it, it's, it's spelled Digne. And I'm saying Lucas Digne. All right. Bet if I bet if I asked him to spell say my surname correctly, he probably won't get it right either. So he can go sod off. So yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I'll continue. Coutinho on loan and Digne. I'm gonna keep with that. Digne in the, you know, as well for 25 million from Everton. So Couple of key players that Villa brought in to not just strengthen the squad, but strengthen them at their starting eleven. And you know we've already seen the the difference Coutinho is making. Your fantasy team's probably seen that difference because it's probably the only one who's scoring points for you at the moment. But yeah, massive couple of signings there. Villa showing intent. I think they've had a a very good transfer window. You know they've, they've got they got they got rid of no one really of significance. I suppose Matt Target went to Newcastle on loan, but because they brought in somebody I suppose he was surplus to requirements and he wanted to play games yeah I mean personally I'm a big fan of Luca Din and I'm a big fan of Philip Coutinho but I'm also a big fan after seeing some of his finishes against Leeds of Jacob Ramsey and what I like is they haven't overwhelmed the midfield they've they've kind of kept with a good structure and it looks like Ramsey's still going to get in the team week in week yeah. out and they can manage his minutes if they need to but yeah. i really i really like that 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 for me is kind of cuz again when when you the good thing for aston villa is they're nowhere near relegation at the moment so they can uh, can afford to have players who aren't firing so when dia i'm not too sure exactly how villa fans would see him but from an fpl perspective he's been disappointing he wasn't very good for norwich in the premier league and He's shown some flashes again at Villa, but no, nah, he's not. He's not the. He's not the player for them. He's not the game, game changer. And yeah, he doesn't score fantasy points either. And then, and then you could also say that Leon Bailey and Danny Ings, both. Leon Bailey, boxed, really? Is, so far, is he, is he ever? Is he ever fit? Well, that's okay. it. I, I mean, and, and again, <laughs> you could you could say the same about Ings, right? So you you could say that that where they and Ashley Young was another signing in the summer. So basically, what I'm saying is that Aston Villa. I mean, I've got to be honest, when I saw the, the signs they bought in, I thought, oh, they could be good, but they could also be a disaster. But fair play to them. It's working out. And they have a bounce going on from not only Gerard but also some of the players. I still think that there's so much more they can do. I mean, <laughs> Tyrone Mings, they really need to find a way of phasing him out of the team or something. Or, <laughs> I don't know. Or bringing someone in who's a bit better than him to play alongside him. or something. I don't know, because... John Stones would be a good signing. If City Middles let him go. John Maybe. Stones would be very good next to, to him from, you know, that's, that's what I'd look at for, for the summer because I can't see Stones wanting to stay at City when he's out of favour. You know, Laporte and Diaz there. Nathan Aki has been playing, I think, in front of Stones a couple of times more recently as well. So I think that might be, that would be someone I'd be looking at. To be honest, you never know with Pep. Next season, he could be going with Laporte and and Stones again, or or Diaz and Stones next season. You never know. You have a whole season of two random centre back pairings again because he, he's been doing that. But the whole thing is that realistically, the one good thing for Villa fans is that where they lost Grealish and they were worried what they were going to do with the money, they were to their word. They reinvested it, and now they've got a very well rounded squad. And to be honest, I think I mentioned this in a previous pod, but. That was the reason, because the, after the first game, they were so impressive. I think it was against Man United. That's the reason why I, made, I played my wildcard pretty much, 
because I, I brought in Martinez, Din and uh, Coutinho. So I'm fully, I'm tripled up on Aston Villa at the moment. So yeah, yeah. no, I, I think I think that was a good window, but it, well, it was a stinky summer. That's all I'll say. Yeah, um, no, making making up for then. Yeah, fair enough. Brentford, not too much. Obviously, the big news of Brentford was that they went and signed Christian Eriksen, and um, I don't know if you saw it, but they posted some on, I believe, Twitter today or yesterday. I think of him playing in a um, behind closed doors friendly match, and um, yeah. you know he was you know, seen running, got an assist as well, and that's a um, free hit basically. He's signing Eriksen because you know, you know, obviously didn't have to pay any money for him. Obviously, yeah, they'll be paying him a wage, but. I don't think they'll be paying him mass amounts of weight money to be fair in terms of salary. It might be at the moment. Look, you're coming back, plays you know, pays you play type thing, or we'll give you a steady base, it can give you a bit more appearance bonus maybe or something. It might be incentivized for him. But, you know, hopefully, you know, Brentford and Ericsson, you know, see the benefit of that signing and I think yeah, they've got um Jonas Lossel on loan, who's a keeper. I think he's Brought him in obviously because obviously Raya was injured for so long and didn't really have an adequate enough backup. Whereas Lossels played in the Premiership before, so I think you know they've not really done much. Couple two signings, no big outgoings there. So you know I think it's just a bit of a fair enough. You know again probably happy with what they've got. Got to be happy with where they are in the Premier League at the moment because they were probably fancied to to go down by a few. And at the moment the you know the the seven points clear of the drop zone at the moment, so they're not in a, a terrible position. I think that they, I think the signing of Ericsson was smart. And I think that even if he doesn't play that much, which I hope he does because he's a good guy, but I think that he'll bring a lot of unity to the dressing room because he's, he's not, you know, he, he's, he's quite a, well, he comes across as quite a chilled guy who has a lot of experience with Spurs and will be fairly level headed with the rest of the Brentford players who all lack a lot of Premier League experience. So, I think that if he does play, he often he offers them creativity that they're really lacking in. So I hope he does play. I look at Brentford and I think they must be a little bit worried. Must be a little bit worried. I mean, I know they've got a point yeah, at Palace. If Ericsson does play and he has an impact, then I think they will be a bit more reassured and that will probably see them through. But if he doesn't, then maybe they'll be going, we could still be in a bit of trouble because of the fact that Burnley still got games in hand. Newcastle was showing form. Everton have just gone and won quite comfortably the other day. Leeds, I doubt, will get relegated. And if Norwich or Watford get points, start picking up more points, I think Brentford are the only ones who look potentially vulnerable just because of their form recently. I know they got a point the other day, but... That's the only thing I would say. If I'm a Brentford fan right now, I'd be a little bit twitchy that Ericsson would have made them feel a lot better. But yeah, I think, I, think, I don't think it, it... Again, it's like kind of similar as Arsenal. Like I say, I think they're one of the teams that they didn't need to do a huge amount. Yeah, definitely. Onto a team that probably definitely didn't need to do too much, really, and Brighton, because they're having a great season. Potter's really got them playing well. I mean, if they could score a few more goals, the bit. Cracker, they'll be challenging that fourth spot, which seems to be up for grabs since no one wants to take it by the scuff of the neck at the moment. And Brighton didn't really need to do much in the in the transfer window. They signed a few players who were loan back, so obviously players for the future in um, in Ndav and um, Kozlowski. I don't know; it might have been a surprise, but I believe you know he's from up there, up the up in the tomb was the selling of of Dan Byrne for thirteen million to Newcastle. Obviously, we all know Newcastle's 
problems and, and whatnot. I guess Brighton must have been happy for him to go, otherwise they wouldn't have sold him. I know, you know, they've got the likes of Lewis Dunk, they've got Webster, Beltman, Duffy, you know, they've got plenty of defenders around there, aren't they? Like, you know, fullbacks Lamperty, Cucurella, etc. So I suppose they were probably must have been happy to let him go. Um, because otherwise they'd have brought in a reinforcement or they wouldn't have sold him in the first place. Brighton's problem was probably making sure they held on to players like Basuma, uh, as an example, or even maybe even to a certain extent Lamptey. I'm not too sure exactly his, yeah. his status so, now after his injury, yeah. but he, he's always been linked to other clubs. But the, the fact they haven't bought a striker, I know Mope scored a great goal at the weekend, but I think the Brighton fans will be disappointed. They did sign one. They just sent him back on loan. Yeah, but they did. They, they they would be thinking, just like most teams, you know, your West Ham's, your Aston Villas, your your Brighton's, you, you're having a good season. This is your time to to progress and and get a striker who could potentially push you further. But they haven't done that, and and that's because the you know the Brighton way of going about it is they're a fairly reserved club as in when to spend money. But the fact is they've got a great coach, so. Yeah. Sure yeah. I think it's more they're probably trying to put faith in Mope and Welbeck and you know a few others and, and Trossard McAllister. I know they're not out and out strikers, but they're they're forward thinking players. And therefore maybe they'll think that they're okay for now well, and then maybe in the summer. Yeah, they're gonna be fine for this season. And like I said, I think good transfer window for them because they've not, like I said, lost the key players there. They'll so. be for, they'll be frustrated that they haven't got a striker, I guarantee that. <laughs> Ah, oh, yeah, but then again, there's loads of clubs that need a striker so they can, you know, join join the queue. You know, to be honest with you, I'd be I'd be happy still if I were a Brighton fan. They're, they're performing really well this season, and um, like I said, it'll all depend on the, the summer for them. And if they if they want to try and keep pushing and on and growing, they've got to make sure they keep hold of the gaffer for starters. And then, like I said, then they'll have to definitely look at you know doing some other business. Burnley. There was just two big moves in terms of Burnley. They got rid of Chris Wood to Newcastle for £25 million. Everyone probably thought, what on earth are they doing? Are they just consigning themselves to relegation? Because Chris Wood's been their talisman now for a number of seasons. Obviously not scoring as many this season, but Burnley have not been good. But then they've done some business. You know, They've brought in a workhorse from Wolfsburg, who's got proven goal-scoring you know, record in the, the Bundesliga for the last number of seasons. You know, he's a big guy. He's tall. You know, he's strong. He's six foot six at the end of the day. You know, that's that's um that's a, a unit. And, you know, I think he's already got an assist, already sort of shown he's going to cause some problems and, you know, give Burnley that, that impetus to hopefully they need. And with Corner coming back from AFCON, that'll be like another sort of new signing, maybe in a way, getting him back into the, into the fold. And Chris Woods, yeah, I mean, He's obviously done them a great service, but twenty-five million for him. I don't think that's bad business for them, to be fair. And we'll see what this Weghorst does. You know, Burnley have obviously got it; they're still up, up against it. But Dyche has picked up a few results more recently, and you know, maybe they're starting to get back to the Burnley of old again. Who knows? I think Weghorst is a is a good signing. Not playing that many games during January, Cornet not missing many games is a good thing for them as well. So I think I think that. I think Burnley could be put into the category of, you know, it was a decent window, but again, I'm pretty sure that the Burnley fans will be screaming out going, we needed Sank a little bit more to really get them over the line. They must be pretty nervous themselves right now because I know they've, they've got... Them surviving. 
I don't see. I, I I just think that the the results this weekend put them in a position where they haven't been for a long time, which is not only in the relegation zone, but I know they've got games in hand, but it's not going to take them one or two games. It's going to take them two games to get out of relegation right now. Well, three. They're, they're seven points. Three. They need three wins. Three. Um, sorry, yeah. So they're going to need so. to win. They're going to need to get you know results in three different games and hope that teams above them drop points. So it's now looking quite bleak, but they obviously still have games in hand and they do have that element of common sense and patience as a club. Like they've never, you've never ever seen them panic or anything like that. No. And so Sean Dash has been there. He's done it. You know, they've been in trouble before. I mean, you still got, I mean, you you can just look at a few things. I mean, the problem again, they're not scoring goals, but they've still only conceded the bottom of the table with 14 points this season. And they've only conceded 29 goals, right? Spurs have conceded 29 goals. West Ham and Man United have both conceded over 30 goals this season so far. So, barring the main sides, you know, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, obviously Wolves have got a good defence, Brighton, and I think Arsenal. Barring them, they've got the next best defence in the league. So, you know, they're doing like ninth place, but they're not scoring enough goals, which they've got to start doing, but... If they can start doing what they used to do, which was winning games 1-0, you know, pipping teams 1-0, keeping it tight, getting a goal by having that sort of, you know, getting the ball direct up to the big man up top, which is what they used to do with Chris Wood. And obviously, I think maybe they were trying to be a bit more of an attractive playing style earlier in the season. Who knows? They're going back to the basics and they've picked up some points. They need to just turn some of these draws into wins. They start doing that, then the other teams will start looking over the shoulders a bit more. But if they don't start doing that soon, they're gonna be too far adrift for sure. Like you said, they have got a mountain to climb, but if anyone can do it, Sean Dyche probably can for them. So we'll we'll see. But not an up or a down sort of transfer window. They've just done a like for like signing, brought a new fresh impetus in, hopefully. So time will tell. Chelsea didn't do anything. Got me put some people out on loan, young lads, and um, didn't bring anyone in. So. I mean, I don't think you think Chelsea would have been disappointed with the fans. Do, do they need something? I mean, they've got talent. They've obviously off the pace in the Premier League, so they're not at the City level or the Liverpool level, which they were looking like they were going to be at the start of the season. You know, I'm pretty sure that Chelsea fans would probably say yes, but personally, I don't. I, I see that they've got a handful of players that you just think, if they, they click, it could be yeah. unbelievable. And they have yeah. shown signs of it. I mean, at the beginning of the season. You, yeah. you know, you would be expecting them to be up there right now after the way they started. We so we thought that, didn't we? We were saying three horse title race, it could mm. be a great title race, and then you know it's it's fallen apart on the wayside for Chelsea. They've uh, you know it's it's not that they've been losing games; it's you know they've been drawing too many games. To be fair, so like you said, they 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 haven't clicked fully, but they've got all the quality and all the talent there to to actually click. It's just them getting that together, you know, like. Lukaku, they could get him firing. Then who knows? They could really go somewhere. Werner, we you know everyone knows his his problems in terms of up top, but we all have seen how good he can be. And you know, he, and let's let's not forget that the, when they were at their best, it was when they had Chilwell on the left and James on the yeah. right. The moment that yeah. Chilwell got injured and then James got injured was the moment that it all went downhill. So if Liverpool lost Trent and Robertson for a long period of time, they would probably struggle. Cancelo and, well, yeah, Cancelo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, or Diaz or someone, you know, like, I guess Man City may be a little bit different, but, you know, when you lose 
your, your two of your key players, and they are key, even though they're fullbacks, they are that's, key players. That's the difference, though, between City and everybody else. Yeah, City can lose key players, and they've got other players who can come in and do the job for them. De Bruyne can be injured for a while. Yeah, they don't play as well with, without De Bruyne, but no they team still would. Win games. Yeah. But they still are able to win games. They've got replacements in these positions. The full-backs, you know, Cancelo's been out or out. They've got Walker, you know. The left-back plays Zinchenko. They might play Cancelo. They might play Walker there. You know, it varies. Defensive-wise, they've got four centre-halves who walk into a lot of teams. Midfield-wise, again, You've got the likes of Rodri, Gundogan there. Fernandinho is like the third backup holding midfielder now for him, which isn't bad. I know he's getting on, but he'd still get into most Premier League size in that holding role. And then you've got your, your front lot, which just, well, just he can pick he can pick basically three of three or four out of like seven quality players there. And, you know, he keeps them all happy, it seems. You know, no one else can do that, really. And that's where Chelsea need to get to. And that's where Liverpool need to get to as well. Put your best 11s out and it's tight, you know, between them all. But where City just head and shoulders above is that strength and depth. And the other clubs probably need to work on that in the summer, I would say. Definitely, definitely. I completely agree. Your favourite team next, Heath? Palace. So, again, Palace didn't really do much. I mean, they've confirmed Jean-Philippe Mateta. Yeah, I've done a little bit of a French accent there by Jean-Philippe. <laughs> um, just to show that I'm not a complete and utter against the French. They just made his loan de- uh, deal into a perm and then they signed uh, Luke, Luke Plange um, from Derby for one million. So that, that was about it and not really seen, but they, I think they loaned him back actually. So um, so not really much gone on at Palace to be to be honest with you. Again, you know, is Vieira happy where they are? I mean, the 26 points, again, they've drawn a lot of games at Palace this season, not won that many, but I think, you know, I don't think Clubs are sort of seeing them as being in that relegation battle. I think Vieira's doing a good job because I think, you know, what people need to remember is how many players they lost at the end of last season. They had a lot of older players and they got rid of a lot of people off contract, kept obviously key players. They've got some some younger lads involved now and, you know, they're, they're not doing bad, I don't think, to be honest with you. I don't think Vieira's doing a bad job. It's definitely one where they're having to change, but I reckon if you start ask Palace fans, are they happy with where they're at? season at the moment I think a lot of them would say yeah I think the one place that they could probably fix is right back I've got a friend who's a Palace season ticket holder and Joel Ward how he's still playing for Palace <laughs> is ridiculous but no they, they've they've done very well to get Anderson very very cheap and he's been a well one of the standout players with Gay in centre-back and then they've got Gallagher firing from nowhere. They won't have him next season. They won't, they (laughs) won't. But I mean, the fact is that they probably won't be too worried because they have got two young stars in Eze and Elise that they're probably, they can't wait to break out and get them going. And it looks like Zaha's sticking around still. I mean, every year he gets mentioned about moving on, but he's still there, you know, that it's either people can't afford him or Palace have kind of wooed him to stay, you know, with the way that Vieira is managing the team. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely so. So um, yeah, a bit of a sort of yeah, neither here or there for Palace, but you know, it's, it's the same. It's the same as the Arsenal Brentford thing for me, Brighton. It's it's just they're they're happy they're happy with what they've got. Yeah, yeah. Everton, interesting one with Everton. They've obviously let um let go Luke, Lucas um, Digny. You know, Lucas <laughs> Digny is gone to, to Aston Villa, as we know. And then 
they've they've made some signings. Um, Mikulenko from Dynamo Kiev, you know, so they they brought brought him in. So he's you know Ukrainian guys left back basically. They brought him in and to no doubt replace Digny. Um, they signed young lad from Rangers, Nathan Patterson. Got El Ghazi on on loan from Villa. Probably something to do with the the, the Digny deal. Van der Beek on loan from Man United, and then obviously they spent big forty million supposedly or up to that on Deli Alley. I think they were only paying him a certain amount at first and then that goes up and with appearances. But so, you know, they've been busy of Everton, you know, in terms of bringing people in. Obviously they brought in a new manager. I suppose that's the biggest signing, bringing in Frank Lampard. And, you know, we've already seen big win in the cup against Brentford. Yeah, they lost to Newcastle where they were they were not very good there. Um, but Newcastle resurgent. But then they've they've torn Leeds a, a new one at the weekend. So, you know, I think I think you know Lampard. I'll get them, get them up, up that table. You know, I don't see them going you, down. Would, I know this is a hypothetical that you can't really get around, but had Everton not won on Saturday, do you not think that we would be looking at it, kind of thinking this was a bit of a, you know, I know it's early days. Yeah, no, I think that, that no, result and the way the atmosphere was, it's it's similar to Villa and Newcastle. It's quite funny how you've got like three oh, yeah. clubs who are kind of ever-presence in the Premier League who, when the fans get up for it, yeah. blow teams away. But I do think that Mikalenko seems like, at first, I, I mean, I remember him a football manager, he's a good player, but I've heard some reports about people saying that, that they were shocked that he signed and that he, quality-wise, he was nowhere near. Patterson's obviously one for the future. And then mm. you've got like Van der Beek and uh, Deli Ali, who are basically the same kind of, mid, well, a similar kind of midfielder. I know Van der Beek could probably go deeper, or I suppose Ali could go deeper, maybe. But I think well, I mean, that they yeah, could do well. I just think it's. Uh, I, th- yeah. I think I think Van der Beek will be the better signing for them than Delhi Ali for this season because I think you know, they both obviously got something to prove. But you know, I, I don't. I mean, I watched Delhi Ali in that Newcastle game, and you know, he was just so far off the pace. He gave the ball away. You know, he was nothing compared to where it was. You know, Van der Beek played the full night against Leeds, you know, looked busy, didn't sort of get any sort of assists or anything. But when I saw him get a chance for United, he always looked busy, always wanting the ball and, you know, try and make things happen. But, you know, he seemed to work hard as well. I think, you know, with Everton, they may still struggle away from home, but I think they'll be good. They'll, they'll start winning games at home. The crowd will be behind Lampard and the team. And, yeah, I think with Everton, you know, it's one of those where the jury's probably a bit out on on the transfer window. Are these players going to be good enough? Are they going to come in and make the difference? I think the biggest piece of business they did was bringing in Frank Lampard. I think it's a good signing for for them as a manager, and he can do really good things for them. Um, really do. You know, I like I like Lampard. I think you know he's good as a player. You know, when you hear him talk, you, you know he's passionate. You watch him on the sidelines. He he, he celebrates every goal like he's in the crowd, you know. It's um, you know, which is good. You want to see that sort of passion. So, yeah, but jury, jury out on the players signings, but thumbs up in terms of who they got in as manager. So they're they're a team on paper, similar to Villa, that on paper they've made the right decisions. Mm. So, but we'll see. I mean, personally, I think that they'll be fine. Uh, I think they'll get themselves away from relegation. Right. It won't be a problem. But it's just the fact of how they've structured these deals and I mean it, it does feel like Everton are kind of almost like that team who expect yeah. a lot 
without really having anything to back it up really for the, well definitely the last 10 yeah. 15 years i don't understand yeah. why they expect to spend so much money every transfer window because the same thing happens really so yeah uh, yeah definitely we'll see next two clubs I won't, we won't really talk too much about and this is no disrespect to those clubs but no real outgoings or incomings you know leeds and leicester Nothing of significance really going in or going out, to be fair. You know, again, probably happy that, that, you know, Leeds, I mean, probably surprised that they didn't get people in the amount of injuries they've had in, but everyone talks about Bielsa wanting a, a small squad and he's always wanted that. So, obviously, he's he's happy with what he's got and, you know, they had picked up some, some cheeky wins, hadn't they? I suppose, you know, they went to West Ham and won. There's still sort of enough there, you, you're thinking... They could still get dragged into that sort of relegation. Well, they are still very close to the relegation battle. They're only six points clear of Norwich. So I think, you know, they'll just be hoping they get the players back like Phillips. He'll make a big difference from Leicester themselves. No one in, no one out. I mean, they're probably not as far up as they would have liked to have been. You know, they wanted to be competing for the, for the European spots again. They've obviously had a bit of a season in terms of, I suppose, seeing what they're going to do the whole Vardy situation, he's not really playing. But I think, you know, I don't think Leicester fans are too upset at this moment in time. They're going to give Rodgers a bit of slack. He won him the FA Cup. Got him, he's got him, got him into Europe again. So I think, you know, with those two clubs, they've obviously not done much in the business and they're, they're clearly obviously happy with what they've got at this moment in time. I didn't feel that what was out there was worth spending the money on. Oh, definitely, yeah. I think with Leicester... They're, they're not too far off it, really, in the sense of if they actually had their full-strength team out, oh, um, yeah. then they would be quite a force. But they've had a lot of injuries. I mean, both Leeds and Leicester both had injuries. But the fact is that I think Leeds have got, have got an incredible coach and he'll get the best out of the players he's got. I think Leicester have got a good coach, but I think that their players are on paper are better. And therefore, you could see Leicester having... Sometimes the seasons that they're having at the moment where they're struggling a little bit, you know, yeah. that things just aren't falling into place like they have done maybe in previous seasons. Yeah, definitely. Liverpool, big signing for them, Luis Diaz from Porto. Seen him in a couple of games. Looks very lively. And this is the sort of thing I'm talking about when I say Liverpool need to strengthen in depth. That's the sort of signing you Another forward now. So now they've got Mane, Salah, Yota, Firmino and this Diaz. That's your, your five. You, so you're picking three of those five as your front three. And that's what you need to start competing with sitting. And it, so far, yeah, like I said, he's looked very lively, dangerous. If he continues like that, you know, he's he's going to cause problems for a lot of teams. I think that's a, a good signing for Liverpool. And I think, you know, they now need to be looking at, yeah, strengthening up the other areas as well. To Because that, that front five, you've got three great people to pick from there to be honest with you. So, yeah, I think really good signing from Liverpool, good window for them. They've, you know, not sold anyone, but they've added someone in. And I think somebody who probably other teams might have been pushing in for come summer, so they've got ahead of the game and, and, and secured it. Secured it. So, yeah, good good from them, I think. Man City, they got rid of Ferran Torres, which I think, you know, they didn't need him. They got 50, I don't know how Barcelona have afforded 55.2 million. I didn't think they had any money. Obviously do. And then they've obviously done some pre-business for next season that Alvarez from River Plate who's meant to be um, you know, a good find I think they've loaned him back but you know City did they need anyone 
Maybe did they need a striker? Some people still say yeah, but they don't seem to need it in the Premier League because they're spanking that, and they don't seem to need it in the Champions League because they're winning five nil at the moment as well away at Sporting. So I think you, they can trust Pep to to get things right for them. They were very close to the Champions League last year, losing it final. Anyone can lose in the final, to be fair, but they're looking like a solid team for the to get there again this year. I would say you know the so I think. City, not much to say about them. They're just going to carry on doing what they're doing, aren't they? Man United, I mean, they didn't bring anyone in. Were they expected to bring people in? I don't know. They got rid of a lot on loan. Van der Beek, Martial, uh, Twanzebi, Twanzebi. I don't know how to pronounce that. But, yeah, you know, they didn't really do much in the window themselves. They just don't have that fluency as a team, do they? And But what's the problem? Is it, the, is it Ranyak? Is it, you know, is it the, the players, you know? Is there, is there, there's a lot of talk of there being no harmony in the dressing room, but you know Roy Keane always says they need more leaders there. But um, yeah, who knows? I'd say with United, it's probably best not to bring anyone else into that toxic environment if it's that bad at the moment. So who knows? It kind of just feels like if they brought anyone in, they would struggle. Like this, yeah. There's two. There's two to fail. Yeah, there seems to be too many players there with biggest egos and. They've just been bought for the most amount of money. I mean, the way that they bought Maguire, Ronaldo, there's the other player. Um, I think there was someone else as well where they basically went and bought them because Man City were just about to, bit, to buy them. <laughs> Sancho. um, hey, Sanchez, that was the other one. Look, uh, look, I mean, San, San, Sancho's been looking a little bit better the last few games. He seems to be, United are starting to play a bit more like the way that I think suits his game a little bit more. Um, so... I think that which could help him, and you know we've seen that he's got quality, Sancho. I mean, he's you know I know Bundesliga is probably not you know not it's not as difficult as the as the Premier League, but he was still getting some great numbers there, still showing qualities, and you know he's still got that quality. I think it's yeah, obviously he joined the team expecting to play in a certain way, he didn't start playing in that way anymore, and um, and it didn't work out for him. But he's been playing the last few more games, he's picked up a few goals looks lively so i think you know maybe it could be start of him actually getting a good run of games there you know and, and hopefully you know showing the performances that'll get in close to that england squad where which obviously was in in the summer for the Euros. so i mean i just think man united are a very funny club at the moment the fans were looking to blame woodward before to say that he was the exact reason why man united were in this pickle and He's now gone, and the blame now goes back to the glaciers, and it goes back to this guy and that guy. Just it, it, it. To be fair, I feel sorry for him in a way because I know people will say, "Well, yeah, but Man United had some easy success." But the fact is, that it's still their football club. You know, it must be. It's it's so hard to see any yeah. football club. Like look at Derby, for instance, going through what they're going through. Man United are going through something very different. Don't get me wrong; nowhere near as bad as Derby, but. At the same time, they're still having issues with something at their club that they can't resolve. Yeah. And therefore, it doesn't seem right. But how they resolve it, I don't know. I mean, do they, you know, I mean, just look at Liverpool before. Liverpool had that exact same problem back in the day. They used to have too many prima donnas, too many players who were good on paper and then struggled when it came to actually winning anything. And they brought in a coach like Klopp who just turned it around. So it can be done. Moves on to a big mover. Already seen some benefits from results. Newcastle, 
big signings. Kieran Trippier, probably the biggest sign, the best signing of them all. Chris Wood, Bruno Gumarez from Leon, Matt Target on loan, Dan Byrne from Brighton. So, you know, three defenders there, a defensive midfielder and then a striker. Everyone knew they needed to show the threat defence. I mean, I think it's safe to say Kieran Trippier is a great signing for them. He's a great fantasy football signing as well because he takes set pieces, he scores goals, picks up a through free kicks. I know he's out injured now, but and who knows when he might return. Hopefully not. It won't take too long, but you know, he's played four games for Newcastle and he's got 26 points. Four, 26 points in four games. You know, that's... And he only lasted 47 minutes in that fourth game because he then got injured. So, two goals, one clean sheet. You've got to be sort of saying people were probably... A lot of people were looking to get him in until he got his injury, I would expect, if they hadn't already got him in. Big signing from there. And obviously others, I don't think others are going to be massive fantasy league football points, but it's definitely been a good window for Newcastle, good business. Got players who have proven and done well in the Premier League. I know that Bruno being the exception, but, you know, he was touted around by a lot of clubs. But, you know, Dan Burns done it in the Premier League, Matt Target has, Chris Wood has, Kieran Trippier has. So they've, signed, they've not gone unsigned a load of unknowns. They've gone unsigned proven players who can hack it in the Premier League and have done. And, you know, I think that that was a big thing for them. And, you know, the, the results, as we've already said, are showing that they have um, made, you know, inroads. They're already out of the relegation zone, four points clear of it by just winning a few, you know, few games. And that, that's it. There you go. Yeah, I think, I think it pains me to say this, but you would say that Impact alone, they probably had the best window in the fact that they've won three games out of four since the window's finished. So the fact is that you have to give credit where it's due. Again, personally, just like Villa and Everton, I looked at it and I thought on paper, that could be good, could be not so good, but give credit where it's due. And, and Eddie Howe's got them playing football. And you know, the, I think that the thing about Newcastle is that whole idea of if you can get that crowd going, if you can get them believing, and the moment that Ashley walked out the door was the moment they started to believe again. And the atmosphere has been, been very different. And I, I think you said to me last week, do you think Newcastle can get into Europe next year? And I went, no. I'm actually thinking that potentially they could do because they've got a real good base of players. That, like you say, you know, if, if they have the momentum, but these are players that have played for, for clubs who maybe like, no offence to Brighton or Burnley, but the fact is that they've taken a step up in the sense of size of the club. You know, I know Brighton are having a good season, but size of the club, Newcastle are a big club on paper. They'll be excited where this can go. And if if they can keep this run of, of results going, I mean, Jesus, they could be like, you know, away from relegation and and be looking top top half the table. You know, you never know. But yeah, yeah I, th- I think Trippier getting injured is a real big blow, but he, what a signing he was. I mean, I think when we, we we did our our predictions for Newcastle and Trippier was one I, I shouted out, but I've got to be honest with you, I did think that it was a long shot still, but that was like the first one in the door. Wow, yeah. you know, fair play to them. But yeah, they, they, they've done well. They've done very well. And and again, you, you you don't know what they're going to do in the summer. I mean, what do they do? Do they go and replace Dan Byrne and Matt Target or do they build on that and then replace some of the other players? I mean, they've only got Target on loan at the moment, so I suppose that'll depend. But they're good. They build on it, definitely. You know, I mm. think 
you know, these players, like I said, proven in the Premier League, they can strengthen other areas. It's no disrespect to John Joe Shelby, but you know, they could definitely improve that position. They've got options. Obviously, keeping Sam Sam Maximin is going to be key for them. If they stay up, which they're in a great position to now go and do that, they'll they should be able to keep hold of him because you know they'll be saying, Look, this is our plans. If you go down, he's gonna go for sure. You know, someone will go and take him, either a top one of the, the, the top of the higher up Premier League size, you know. The Spurs or West Ham and Wolves, you know, anyone could sign that that guy. Man United, you know, he'd he'd get into most sides, you know, barring probably Liverpool and and City, or even, but he'd still not be out of place in those sides either. To be fair, so it's um, I think you know he's a big side, big guy to keep hold of uh, for Newcastle in the summer, if, especially if they stay up. I think they will do, and then they've got to grow and continue doing that. They keep Callum Wilson. They get Callum Wilson fit. They've got a striker who can score goals. They've got Chris Wood as another option, you know. So they've they've, they've all of a sudden got a, a squad there which will be definitely capable of top half of the table, challenging for Europe maybe. And I mean, someone said some one of the, the top pundits. I don't know, was it Sooners or someone who said that they expect Newcastle to win a Premier League again before Man United next two. Someone that one of the big pundits was saying that. Are we kind of forget which one? And you know you would you you probably won't back against it at the moment if they stay up this season and and can start investing. United aren't looking like a team who are going to win a Premier League anytime soon. And we all saw how quickly City were able to sort of eventually get there once they started, you know, splashing the cash a bit. Four five seasons and they were all of a sudden winning a Premier League sort of thing. So there you go. It, it's definitely capable. So yeah, watch out and um, the tune are on the up. Don't know what accent that was. That was Scottish. Yeah, it was Scottish, wasn't it? Hey, Aye. hey, laddie. Hey. <laughs> um, Norwich didn't really do anything in the window, let a lot of players. The one surprise that let go of Todd Cantwell to Bournemouth, I suppose it's not a surprise because he's not been playing, but, and I don't know why he's not been playing. Obviously, I think the, the, the rumours were that there'd been a fallout and everything, and then Smith's come over, obviously, not decided he's, he's not part of his plans so they've loaned him to Bournemouth which is a great signing for Bournemouth but I mean Norwich not bringing anyone in is Dean Smith happy with what he's got or is it the fact they can't get anyone in I know that he has seen some good results happening but it, it's not enough um, I, you know, I, feel, I, I think that they they think that their club I think that's I think they think that their squad is good enough to keep them up because they've spent a lot of money in the summer compared to normal seasons so again a bit like Grealish a poorer version of that. They they sold Buendia yeah. and then used the money and, and bought a, about four or five different players. I think they think they've got enough talent in that team to in that squad to keep them up. They just needed the manager, well, and I think they think they've got that with Dean Smith because they. I mean, they've been very good underneath Dean Smith. They've they've they been getting been they've been competitive in every game. You know, like it. It's now very lazy of people to kind of say Norwich is definitely going to go down because. The fact is that they've got results recently, and and they could still get results. They're not they're not looking like that defeated team. Unfortunately, it looks like my team are that team at the moment. But anyway, the fact is that when it comes down to it, I think that Norwich, if Puki actually got confidence, him and that Adam Ida up front, they they could they potentially could stay up. They could. So it's it's a big shout, but the fact is that. You know, even the way they played against Man City the other day, they they played with a belief that it was a team of who could go for it, not someone who just sat back and hoped for the best. Which I think that maybe how how it was previously under the old regime. So, 
We'll see. Again, you know, decide to stick with what they've got and, and fair play. And another team who've done that, and probably rightly so, you know, Southampton. You know, they've, you know, the again the Saints. They're having a, the tenth in the league at the moment. Um, you know, twenty nine points, not doing badly. They've got, you know, they've kept all the. I don't. I mean, I still. I don't ever hear any rumours actually coming from, um, from anywhere saying that someone wants to go and buy Ward Prowse. But I suppose if they brought on roll-on, roll-off subs into the Premier League. I think any team in the world would want to sign him for his set-piece alone, but he's actually a good, a very good footballer as well. I mean, they've, they've kept hold of him. Obviously, they've got players who are playing well, like Brozier up top on loan from Chelsea. I mean, it'd be, you know, I'd, I'd be, if I was Southampton, I'd be sort of inquiring to try and sign him, but maybe Chelsea might be thinking, well, the Lukaku thing... To try and get a bug up his ass, we'll bring Brozier back in the summer and say, Look, this guy's going to be pushing you to start because he's hungry. But I think, you know, Southampton again, happy with what they've got. You know, they're a decent side. They're not going to be going down or anything. They're not probably going to get Europe, I don't think either. But, um, you know, I think they're having a good season at the Saints. Yeah, no, I mean, the only player you haven't mentioned there is Salusu, the centre half. He's having a yes. great season. I know yeah. he uh, he didn't wasn't signed in the summer or in January, but no. I think like uh, you know sometimes yes yeah, so I think it's sometimes you can kind of uh, bring it, give someone a chance by letting someone else go. Similar to what we were talking about Aubameyang earlier, by letting Aubameyang go, you're then saying to Gabriel Martinelli, "You're my main man." I'm not not necessarily playing him up front, but he knows he's got much better chance of playing if Aubameyang's gone. So. Things like that, and I think that happened with Salisu, and he's had a good season. Yeah. He's he was brilliant at Watford earlier in the season. They they absolutely they they oh well they're a much better team, but he was a rock at the back. And then I saw he did the same against uh, Man City a few weeks back, and against United, I think it was as well. But yeah, they 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 Southampton are you know one of those teams that they're a coupon buster, aren't they? Really, they can oh yeah. Go yeah, away they, from home and get a result against one of the bigger teams, and then get battered yeah. by Leicester or something. You know, you just yeah, never know. Yeah, lose nine nil. Yeah, they can lose nine nil a few times. And then, I suppose the strange one. You know, they've made a couple of signings, like a few low Spurs, and I mean, results have not been brilliant for for them of late. At one point, they were looking odds on to being that top four spot with the games in hand. I mean, I know they could still technically get up into that fourth spot but they win all the games and but it, well no they can't actually because I think Arsenal's got plenty as well but they don't even look like winning those games at the moment and they've sat they made two signings they obviously signed the pair from Juve uh, Bentecourt on, on you know for a perm deal and then Kolesovitsky I think <laughs> god I shouldn't have had a few wines before saying that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, on loan from Juventus, so midfielder and a winger now. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't know if you watch too much Italian football, but I've seen them both play for Juve and both look good players. But obviously, you know, Juve let them go for a reason. Didn't think that they needed them. So, Benton I mean, is meant to be very good. And mm. I think Kuleleski, he, he was, he's kind of one of those players where I think he was showing signs of being a top player a couple of years back and then he went to Juve and he just I just think he fell out of favour with the manager or something and he just never really got a proper run and he's come to Spurs to kind of get his career back on track but yeah. I don't know I, I'm, I'm not convinced of that Benton Kerr I think could be very good it's always good to get a, 
calming kind of midfield influence, you know, in the but middle of, if, of the team. But if he if he could be like what Dembele was for them, I mean, oh, how good man. was Dembele? You know, I mean, yeah. if, if I don't think you could find too many players who play in that position who was as calm as he was on the ball, as skillful as he was, and could just dictate a game. He never he wasn't a brilliant fantasy football player because he didn't score that many points, but he would co- he'd control games, you know, sort of thing. And you know, I think yeah, if he could be that sort of thing, you know, Spurs have been missing that type of player. You know, that's when they were looking really good with players like that. And then then they had the Ericsons and the Deli Allies in good form and Kane up top and Son, you know, doing the thing. And you know, if he can help that sort of materialise, and you know, he's going to have a, an enforcer next to him if, if, with Hoiberg probably. You know, so. Who's not actually a bad footballer himself, um, you know. Spurs, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you know Spurs are probably realizing it's you know a big dogfight for that top four spot. They, they, you only need to go on a good run and you you're probably in there, and you go on a bad run and then all of a sudden you're in seventh or eighth. So it's it's tight and it'll go to the wire. But I think you know we'll see the best of Conte and Spurs probably after this next summer when he can get to implement a bit more of of um, his style and, and get more players in really. I think, you know, getting rid of Deli Alley, I think it is good business for him. I'm not saying he was detrimental in the changing rooms and stuff, but I think it was good for him and good for the club for yeah, them to sort of get hands. Exactly. And, you know, it, the, the, the amount of talent that lad's got, he needs to be playing and he needed, he needed a fresh start. So, and see see if that happens. So, um, so yeah, I think it's a wait and see whether Spurs had a good, good window, I suppose. You know, if they come forth, yeah, good window. If they don't come forth, well, it wasn't good enough, the window for them. That'll probably be the case. Do you want to talk about your boys or should we just by- bypass them? I mean, you-, you signed four players, four pretty much unheard of players. One from Udinese, one from Nice, one from Bordeaux and one from Upen. Which league are Upen in? Which player was that? Ido Kayembe. Kayembe, I think he came from Belgium. Maybe. God. Well, so you... So Watford have gone to sign a load of unknowns, really, to be that's, honest that's with you. That's what we do, though. Like, look, look at our yeah. squad, right? Out of all of our squad right now, just look at that group there isn't of players. Many new ones how many yeah. did you know before we signed them? That, that's, that's our business model. That is, that's how Josh, we compete. Josh King? No, Josh King. Everyone knows Josh King. Yeah. Um, they're, 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 obviously, there are some that you did know. Danny, but... Danny Rose, he's well-known, yeah. Musa yeah. Sissoko, he's a World Cup winner, is Musa. I mean, God. I mean, he's your second top. You know, he's your second top um, fantasy scorer in the midfield, which is terrible considering he only gets two points a game. So, <laughs> <laughs> your midfield really needs to start pulling up a few more trees, I think. Son. But, it's, um, it's, it's, it's depressing, obviously, at the moment, because at the moment, I, I feel like we're the opposite of Newcastle. It's like, I felt like we kind of like signed players that we needed and we went under the radar and we just needed the results. We didn't get I, the results. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know you should blame. You should blame Udinese because, right, the last time when you were in the Premier League and you got to the FA Cup final and that and you, added, you, you got all these good players from Udinese because they were doing well, but they're obviously now not as good in the Serie A, they're not as good in the Italian League and they're not producing the players for you to go and steal. So that model is now failing you. you need if to anything, they're better. stealing from us because they've got well, Delfeo over there. Something must be wrong with you guys if you don't think he's still good enough, or he must have gone really downhill. Maybe I don't know, but um... no, no, it was more the fact of because we went got relegated. He, he wants he wants to play top flight football somewhere else, which is completely yeah. understandable. He shouldn't be playing. He's not 
a player that should be playing the championship. But yeah, we we've we've um, I think we on paper I think that although that people haven't heard about these players, Samir and Kamara have both come in and been very good for us. I know that we're you know we're struggling and we're nearer the bottom. Kayembe's been very good, and I think this Kalu is is meant to be similar to Dennis. But the thing is that for us, it's it's all about Saar. You know, he's just come back from Afcon. He's come back from a nasty injury from November. Again, you take some, you know, some of the teams around us. You take out St. Maximan from Newcastle for a long period of time. They'd be struggling. You take out uh, Cornet Burnley. They would be struggling. There's there's lots of good, very good players down there. That if you take them out of their respective team. Well, just look at Leeds and Calvin Phillips, for example, or, or mm. Calvert Lewin and Richarlison at Everton. You know, Yeri oh. Mina. So, what I'm saying is that, yeah, our best player by a country mile has been out for what, two, three months. And yeah, one month, one month. To a certain extent, yeah. But at the same time, I just think it just shows you that the rest is, of the players haven't stepped is, up. Big question: Is why going to keep you up? Probably not. But you're right. Is not. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. I can't. I, I can't. Completely. I can't really. I, I think that for a part of me, I was kind of hoping that, you know, him having the experience, he'd be able to do it, and that he would know how to coach weaker players into being better players. The problem is what I wasn't expecting was for he can't the miracles. Heath. He can't perform miracles. But he did perform miracles at Palace and Fulham. And yeah, but West Palace Brom. had better players. Hmm. All my better players. Mm. West Brom, maybe not, but... I don't know how you can define what a good or bad player is, you know, when they're from different... I'm a football fan. I'm, I'm an expert, like all football fans. Yeah, because you... Fans. No, but I mean, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, if Watford stay up this season, then some of these players might be looked at like the way that you're looking at Palace and Fulham. I just think that, for, for me personally, I just think that we have got a very good group of individuals. We just don't have a very good team. And that is the reason why we're miles off it. And the fact is, in the Premiership, you really cannot have that. You need to have a good team and you need to have a star player or two. Yeah. We, we yeah. honestly, yeah. Anyway, so I'd say, I'd say the transfer window on paper is good because we sold a lot of problems. But I do think that we had too many problems and we did, we couldn't solve them all. So yeah, realistically, you know, again, Watford fans will probably say, why don't we get a goalkeeper? Why don't we get, you know, another centre back? But you know, that is what it is. Yeah. No, fair enough, pal. Fair enough. Onto a club where I reckon a lot of fans are heard a lot of fans and pundits complaining about this club's inactivity in the transfer window, especially if they're going to push for top top four which they've got a, a big chance of doing it but they, they need the strength in depth you know now West Ham no activity nobody came in um, they loaned out a few sort of players who aren't aren't in and around the squad I mean I was surprised they didn't go and get someone they, you know obviously United were never going to let Lingard go there because they saw what he did last year they don't want him to go and do that for West Ham and stop them from getting top four which and obviously they had the Martial thing, and they probably knew about the Greenwood thing as well a bit, um, in a bit more time before the the whole media got a hold of it as well, maybe. So another couple of reasons why they weren't going to let him go. But West Ham not going out for anyone, you know. It's 
you know, they haven't got a spare striker for Antonio. They could have done with another person, you know. Bowen's in great form. Yeah, they'll get Ben Rama back from AFCON. Bornells, Lanzini was a bit injury prone. Could have done someone else there. If Declan Rice gets injured, yeah, they've got Suchek, but Declan Rice is massive, you know. A few seasons ago, and I put it in our uni group, and I was not saying I rated Declan Rice as much, and um, Brad in our uni group was sort of like saying you're blind sort of thing. And I tell you what, I was blind because I watch him now, and he's becoming a right player. I mean, you know, without him, they'd have been out of the FA Cup to Kidderminster. He comes on, he... You know, he's not. I think what he's adding to his game is now that he's actually boning on a bit more. You know, he's 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 making some driving runs. He's got skill. He's got quality on the ball. His his work rate's good. You know, him and Calvin Phillips were both great in the Euros. I thought Calvin Phillips probably shone a bit more than Declan at the time. But this season, Declan Rice has really come into his own, and you know they'll do well to keep holding the next seat at the end of this summer. I think Chelsea could be nailed on for him, maybe. Um, but um. Yeah, shocked they didn't bring anyone in. I think a really a bad move from them personally. That you might think it's different or they're showing faith, but if you're really going for that top four spot, we've seen it happen. What happened at Leicester last year? They looked primed for that top four, got few injuries, didn't have the strength in depth, and they they capitulated. And West Ham, it just happened to them as well. They're going to need a lot of luck. They're obviously not winning as many as they were doing. United winning, they've got Gaten. Clubs behind them in games in hand. I just don't see why they didn't strengthen in depth, really. Get a few fantasy scorers in there. I suppose, who did? Who could they have got? But, I mean, there was plenty of options out there, I think. Yeah, I think I think that they were obviously disappointed. I just think that the Lingard one, it's like they've basically kind of pushed themselves too far that they couldn't really get him. If they were down the bottom again, they probably would have allowed him to go, but they're funny again because again it's another one of those ones where you're like, I mean, strikers, they need a striker, a proper striker. I mean, Antonio's been brilliant for them, but the guy is like basically always seems to be about 70% fit, you know. I I, <laughs> I know it sounds disrespectful because the fact is the guy has been brilliant this season, but recently he seems to have gone very quiet and they're relying on Jared Bowen way too much. And like you say, yeah. De- Declan Rice and right. Bowen and, and some of their defenders and you know even like I thought Sufal looked a bit suspect the other day he looks a bit like a bit vulnerable from nowhere he was you know kind of allowing players to go past him quite easily so you know just it, I guess it doesn't take that much for a team like West Ham to go from pushing for top four to getting sucked back into relegation because they had the same similar players and that's where they were a couple of years ago. So, yeah, yeah, I think I think it would have been a prime situation to have done what Villa did. You know, Villa being quite far away from relegation, then kind of thinking, well, this is our chance to get someone of of Coutinho's class and in, in there. Well, you know, they could have done that. If they get top four, it's a massive, massive financial windfall getting up to the Champions League. You know, you don't even have to do well in the Champions League. You get into the group stage. And you can and you get some really good money from it, and you know you get those big European nights which West Ham haven't had. I mean they're doing well in the the Europa League, so that they have got European football. But you go to that Champions League, it's another level, and also it means you can attract players, and you could maybe keep a player who's like you know your your best player, you know Declan Rice. If West Ham getting that top four spot this season, there is no way 
he ends up going to Chelsea or one of the others, most likely Chelsea, unless City wanted to go for him or United. I mean, they could all take go for him because he's worth, he's good enough. But he doesn't go there if they get Champions League this season at the end of this season because he's a West Ham lad there. He'll want to do it and have a go at the Champions League with West Ham if he can do. If they don't get there, they could lose it. And making those few signings could have really just made could make the difference. I don't think they'd have got Coutinho over, over Villa because Coutinho's obviously the Gerard connection, but you know they, they should have been in for someone like that, that's for sure, uh, or finding other players like that. I know they've got full backs and that, but Kieran Trippier, quality player, could have been someone good for them as well. You know, they could have signed him, you know, they could have, you know, added in, you know, Deli Ali's a gamble, could have maybe him, Donny van der Beek on loan, gamble, but again, added strength, could add, in, add that strength in depth for them. So, yeah, I think it's um, the thumbs down for them. If they make top four, they've obviously proved everyone wrong, but I think they've made it a lot more difficult for themselves by not strengthening. Yeah, I actually agree with you, to be honest. If they'd have got a striker, even if they'd have gone out there and got a, like a championship striker, someone who could come in, you know, like that, uh, ben Britton, Diaz, or or even yeah. like Mitrovic. I know it's going to sound a bit crazy. That Carvalho, Fulham, so, so, someone who could push Antonio. Like, doesn't necessarily need to be a starting player, but someone's going to push him again. And then you can uh, bring him in. Yeah, nah, exactly. So, but yeah, not good for them, I think. But, um, you know, hopefully they continue to try and push that top four. It'd be great to see them do it because, you know, I think, you know, I'd rather out the, the the clubs, you know, that are going for that top four spot, you know. I'd rather see someone like a West Ham or a Wolves or even an Arsenal this year do it because I prefer them to the ever-failing and flauntering Man United and Spurs at the moment. So, yeah, no, fair enough. Wolves, going on to them, final team in the transfer window. They've, they've obviously, I mean, they, they signed a few players, not big names. Uh, Wang Hee Chan, obviously, They've had him on loan, so they've signed him on board as well. And then they've signed a couple of players who they've sort of loaned back out. So they've not done loads. They got rid of Adama Traore, went to Barcelona on loan. Wasn't too surprised with that. Obviously, there was a lot of talk of Spurs taking him, but that didn't happen. But, you know, I mean, Wolves at the moment, you know, they're solid in the way they play. They've got, you know, they don't have, a, they don't have really a, a superstar as such. I mean, Jimenez, yeah, great, you know, really good. And, Hopefully he can get back to that quality form he was on before his injury. They've got quality footballers in Moutinho and and Neves in there. You know, opponents are good. They, they do lack goals, but they're very solid at the back. They can keep clean sheets. They've got very, you know, got Conor Cody, a great captain. They play three at the back. They know how to play three at the back as well. They, they, they're, they're not a team. They're no mugs. No team gives them a spanking. You know, they're, they played away at Liverpool and City and only got beat by the odd goal. It's so it's they probably did they're probably another side, like we've said about a lot. They they're happy with what we've got. They don't need anything more at this moment in time. They'll assess what they're doing well in the league, assess where they're at in the summer and then look to try and strengthen areas at that, but they don't need to go out and spend over the odds for, for something they don't need at the moment. No, that's right. And I mean, yeah, but, I think I think they've got like where they got Bruno Larger, um, yeah. and they've got uh, Saar in goal. I think they've they've been really clever. They have given Kilman and you know kept him going. Yeah, they, they they've got they did like their a, business in the summer, didn't they? Did their yeah, business. and and I think that they've kind of 
what they've done is they've kept faith in some of the players that we were thinking may not, you know, mm. like eight Nori and Marcel, the fullbacks, you know, that, that these players where you saw Doherty go into Spurs, you thought, oh, okay, well, that will, that will really weaken, you know, Wolves. Well, they got Semedo instead, you know, it's like, I'm not saying that these players are really have changed Wolves, you know, as a club or anything like that, but I think they just seem to be getting a lot of small things right. And therefore that's pushed them from being mid table to potentially a European team again. Yeah. I know that they were technically in Europe, but they got there the way they got there. Whereas now it feels like they are a consistent pusher for Europe. I suppose, I suppose, yeah, I I agree with you completely. I suppose the only thing I'm thinking, are we being hypocrites here by saying, well, why haven't Wolves gone for it when they're in with a chance at top four, you know, but West Ham, obviously, should have gone for it. Maybe some people might think think like that. You know, Wolves have got two games in hand on West Ham and Man United. They can go above West Ham and draw level on points with Man United. It's weird because where West Ham have got the proper... I don't know. So they've got a lot of unknown players that you know on paper are meant to be very good, like that Trincao, who's meant to be very good, but he hasn't really proved it. Huang, who showed signs at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So it's like, I think the difference between West Ham and Wolves is that, that West Ham have got a squad of probably like 14, 15 players that if they play that squad every week, they'll do well. Yeah, they lose two or three of those players that are struggling. I think Wolves are more in the Man City category of like they seem to have a lot of their bases covered with their squad players being happy to yeah. to accept being on the bench and then coming in and making an impact, even though yeah. they're not star players. But like, I think getting yeah. rid of Triore is a really funny one because you could say he was arguably one of their best players on paper, but the fact is. He doesn't deliver, does he? Exactly, and, and therefore they've given him enough time. And you know, the, the moment Barcelona yeah. comes calling, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you go. But... I, I think you know as well. Wolves are somewhere where people wouldn't have expected. I mean, you got six the six teams above them. You'd have expected all six of them to be above Wolves at this size of the season. You'd have expected Spurs to be above them. Leicester, you'd have expected them to be above them as well. So you know, you you'd have probably expected Wolves to be in between sort of the ninth and twelve spots in the league at this point of the season, most likely. You know, that's where people would have probably put them. Well, that's where I would have put them. You'd probably have put Everton to be, be above them at probably this season as well. So, you know, they're, they're obviously, you know, at the moment, fighting above where people would have anticipated them being. And maybe, like I said, the, the, what they're doing at the moment is working for them. So, you know, why change it massively? They're doing, they're in half decent form. I suppose that's where the difference for me is with them and um, with West Ham. You know, Wolves have won four of the last five. West Ham have won two, drawn, lost two and drawn one. So West Ham's form's a bit more hit and miss at the moment. And I think that's where they need to start pushing. Wolves are, are in good form at the moment. So it's another reason probably why we, we think slightly differently. But um, yeah, it's um, be interesting to see. You know, the, the transfer window's gone. It, everyone's got what they've got now. And... Um, you know, it'd be, we've got a top four race to, to see. We've got a relegation battle to see. Liverpool, you know, they're, they're doing the best at the moment. You know, they've won the last four. They've not had a bad time without Salah and Mane. They've gone and won the games. So, you know, done what they needed to do. Um, They're going to have to beat 
to win the game in hand and they need to beat City and hope City drop some more points as well. So that it's going to be tough, but um, which I don't think they'll quite manage. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. The last um last sort of twelve thirteen games. So out of that whole chat, who do you think had the best transfer window? Newcastle. I think it's. I think, you know, probably just because. I mean, the thing is, if if you'd have asked me that before they'd won those three games in a row, I wouldn't have said them at all. But no, because they've won those three games in a row, you're kind of going, yeah. But there are a lot of teams that haven't done much after we've gone no, through that. No, there hasn't. No, there hasn't been. There's not been lots and lots of business. Liverpool, I think, great bit of business getting Diaz in. Um, you know, there's a lot of you know Villa. You know, Coutinho is going to be a great signing for them. Um, hopefully, for I would expect. And but yeah, a lot of teams haven't done loads of business. But I think you know. What you want when you do business in January, you do want to see that instant sort of response. And Newcastle have got that. They've won the last three games. And, you know, that's what you expect when you go and do, you know, a bit of business, which they've done. You know, they've done more business than most. And they've seen the rewards for it at this moment in time with three wins in a row. You know, look, three wins ago, take those three wins away, right? The bottom of the league on 12 points. They've won three games in a row. They're on 21 points and out of the relegation zone. So it's instant sort of success. Yeah, they've got to maintain it. But three games ago, they were dead and buried on 12 points, you know. So I think it's a big, you know, that they've clearly had the best transfer window at this point. Come end of season, it might be different. We can say, well, who actually did have the best January transfer window? But right now, from what we can see on paper, they're the ones, aren't they? And I, I, you're going to, anyone should really, really struggle not to agree with us on that, you know, because it's the, the results are there in, in black and white. They've won the last three games, you know. I think only, only Liverpool have done that or better. Yeah, mate, honestly, that, that, I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, but I feel like we've, we've got a lot off our chest there. Like I say, we've, we've, we've been able to go through each team there and summarize and really look at each individual team and, I suppose give people some ideas of what they should be, you know, maybe looking for for FPL and and I guess the the, the team in general. I think it, it looks like it's safe to say we probably both agree on Newcastle being the the stars of the window, even though they didn't go out there and spend billions like you know people yeah. were jokingly hinting at, and there was no Mbappe's or Messi's. But overall, they they were clever with what they did, and they like you say we've got that instant yeah. impact. Uh, but yeah. the, the, the theme of the, the content teams who held on to their squad, didn't sell anyone, but didn't buy anyone, was there. And like I say, come the end of the season, some of them might be regretting that. Some might yeah. not, you know, so we'll, we'll then, find that out later. I think, we, but I think you know, back to like what I've said, I think, in previous things, I think we actually had a chat about it in a previous podcast where we, we said, you know, I think you asked me, would I scrap the Jan the, the January transfer window? And I and I think I said yeah. I went. I think I'd sort of you know put a transfer window until like middle of September, and then that's it. You you're done for the season, you know. But you know the January transfer window is good. It's good for FPL, I would imagine as well. But um, like I said, a lot of big clubs, unless they desperately need something now, they they're staying out of it. You know, United did it with Bruno Fernandez a few years ago. We've seen other great transfer January transfers, which we did again a, a bit of a section on previously. Yeah, you know it's 
it's been quiet for a lot of the top sides, but you know they're obviously in a place where they don't need it. And yeah, there you go. So, well, I think um, I think yeah, it's been you know it's been interesting to see what's happened. Yeah, and um, like I said, we'll they'll be. I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll, we could do a reassessment at the end of the season. And say, well, actually, we were badly wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> well. It's um, it's definitely what we thought was going to be a, a nice little special for you guys to to listen to and and just to remind you of our of our Twitter handles. You got State, who's FPL underscore Northerner. I'm FPL Southerner, and then you've got the the North versus South um, podcast. The the Twitter page is FPL NVS. So guys, if you've got any issues with what we said tonight, and you want to add anything, or you want to you know kind of challenge anything that was said then we're all ears let us know on twitter but yeah from from me it's a it's a goodbye goodbye enjoy